Wednesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day Monday through Friday we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And Chris, they're still arguing up there in space. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> and and we know we know from Jim Lovell that this I mean, they may have had discussions, but it wasn't at this level or tempo or volume. So uh, mostly this is uh, the commentary that uh, Jim Lovell has on the uh, if you by the way, if you do have I strongly recommend getting the Blu-ray to Apollo 13. It's got so many features you can sit down. It's almost like our show. You can sit down and listen to it for hours and hours. <laughs> But there's a there's an entire there's an entire commentary track where it's nothing but Jim and Marilyn Lovell talking about their experiences both you know during Apollo 13 and how the movie affected their lives, and uh, we we talked about it a bit yesterday and uh, we'll talk about it a little, little bit more today that this kind of confrontation didn't happen in space it wasn't really the way things went on, and uh, you know everybody's cold everybody's tired you have to remember that in this in this situation. But uh, they didn't really argue. These guys were all trained professionals. And uh, what the way that uh, Jim Lovell understood it, as Ron Howard was explaining it to him, they needed to build conflict so that the movie made sense to people. And everybody, everybody has their own path in this movie. So you've got, uh, you've got Jim and Fredo, who are part of the original crew of Apollo 13. And then you have the new guy, the new guy Swigert, who... Uh, they worry about because they've watched him. You know, he didn't get a lot of training. He wasn't. He was part of the backup crew, and these guys had a lot of training, and he didn't. So, uh, what uh, Ron Howard was trying to do in this movie to show Swigert's growth and development was he had to earn his wings every day on the flight. He had to show that he was capable. He could. He could do things. He knew what he was talking about. And so, in this one, uh, uh, we have we have. Uh, Jim Lovell finally telling them to uh, to knock it off and to calm down, and uh, you know, uh, and th- by the way, this is this is a, a line that Jim Lovell said he used to use a lot, and uh, both Hanks and Ron Howard picked up on it. The uh, the line about we're not going to go bouncing off the walls for ten minutes because we'll be just back where where we started, and apparently that's a that's a common phrase that Jim Lovell uses. So working that into like like the thumb over the earth or the moon, <laughs> that's a that's a Lovellism. So uh, that that really that really did come out of his mouth, just not in this particular set of circumstances. So uh, so we're seeing, you know, Lovell is defending Swigert and and also telling the two of them to knock it off with the with the arguments. But that 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 level of anger didn't happen. And you you've, you've met Jim and and Fredo. They're not oh, that, yeah. those kind of guys. They're, yeah, uh, exactly. They uh, you know they certainly don't seem like it. And I guess in Fred. Uh, you know, f- even on the show, when we had him on the show, Fred said that it was a, um, it was something they needed for Hollywood, basically. You know, the, to to Hollywood it up a little bit, um, and and it's to help show that they were human. I think is a, you know, a point that they were trying to go after. But uh, uh, and like I said, you know, according to Jim, the conversation and the the meat of the conversation that they're having in this clip did happen. It just wasn't at a. Uh, 
a hot, you know, an aggravated uh, tone or anything like that. But the, uh, the 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 source of the conversation, according to Jim Lovell, did happen. Yeah. So the, I mean, there were there were like like who did it, whose fault is it was 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 wondered about. But I don't think yeah they 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 understood this yeah, is the wrong. And I don't even think the way Jim said it wasn't even that. It was more of the can we do we know how to come home <laughs> i think yeah. that's what he was i don't even think he actually even touched on like whose fault it was i mean it was you know uh i i think already they had discovered something obviously had gone drastically wrong but i i, I think would and i don't know this for sure i i never really wanted to dig too deep with jim on it but but what i seemed to have picked up from him was the they were trying to figure out are there procedures to to get us in can we can we come home <laughs> so yeah and i i think the uh the what swigert was talking about was that they're they're not telling us stuff he's he's worried about that because I, he was there they were all there for um apollo 12 and on right. apollo 12 they were trying to figure out one of the one of the main uh, problems on apollo 12 after the lightning strike was how much was affected electrically and one of the concerns that the engineering group had was that it had fried the pyros that were supposed to, you know, launch the parachutes when they came down, uh, you know, after, you know, after reentry. And uh, the decision was made without telling the crew about, you know, they knew about this worry that maybe the pyros were set off, but they didn't tell the crew those worries because uh, Mission Control's feelings about the whole thing was, well, if they went to the moon or if they just stayed in Earth orbit and came down, they'd be just as dead either way. <laughs> right. Let them go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so these, so these guys were, you know, they, they understood the psychology of what was going on in mission control. Um, and uh, we'll see it in a later minute where, uh, where Kranz talks about uh, if there's nothing they can do about it, there's no reason for them to be informed on stuff. So I, I can understand Swigert's uh, reluctance to think that they're getting the whole truth on these things, especially when, you you know, his life is on the line and the guys down in mission control, they're not, I mean, I'm sure they care about him, but he's <laughs> like, he had more meat in the, you know, skin in yeah. the game. So, well, I think um, something to, to look at is, I mean, and, and I don't, gee, I hate to bring it up, but it is true. I mean, it, it, it's, it's known uh, fact now is, you know, there is a precedent for this. Um, you know, look at Columbia. Um, yeah. You know, they, they knew the Columbia couldn't make it in. And, uh, I mean, that conversation, you know, it's it's been out now that they did have this conversation in Mission Control that they didn't feel that the spacecraft could could come through reentry. And, you know, they didn't tell the crew. And uh, I don't know if – I don't know anything about what the, the thought process was behind that. Um, but – uh, I mean, you can research that online. That it's not a, and, you know. At first, when I first heard that, I thought it was kind of a conspiracy theory thing, and then it it kind of came out through proper channels that you know that, that they felt there was a problem and that it couldn't be repaired anyway. Um, that's a tough decision to have to make. I God, I'd hate to have to be in a mission control seat trying to weigh in on that subject. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know you get into really hard questions with with stuff like this and. Um... You know, all these guys are test pilots, and they knew they all knew more than one. You know, many people who uh, didn't come back. So, but they were in the same business. So it was, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things of yeah, it's their choice. But that doesn't. And the, the tendency is like, well, gosh, these guys must be pretty fatalist to think, well, this this could happen to me. The the only way that you become a test pilot, and every test pilot I've ever met, uh, 
they think that it'll happen to everybody else but them. So <laughs> yeah. it, and and that's the way they are. It's like, nah, that, he just didn't know what he was doing. You know, it, pilots and, in general are like that. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, Deke, one of the things that Deke Slayton said after uh, Elliot C and Charlie Bassett died in uh, in St. Louis was that well, he didn't think C was a good pilot. And like, I don't, Jeez. I, I don't think I I you know I'd go. I'd go there as a you know somebody that I'd known. It's like, well, they weren't very good at you know if he wasn't very good at it, then he shouldn't have been in the program in the first place. But you know these things happen. But it, it's it's a difficult mindset to get into if you're not a test pilot. But it's probably a necessary psychological feature of the job to be you know to be a little bit more well. Yeah. The, it's the other guy's problem. Um, except when you're all locked in a. <laughs> Watching a lunar module <laughs> arguing about whose fault it is. Um, it, it's a good I mean, one of the one of the things that sets up here, and, and we talk a lot in in these movie minutes about narrative strategies. And one of the things is that you set something up and then you counter it with something else. And, and we can see in this one minute where Swigert has been blamed in the past minute for you know did you did you look at the gauges before you stirred the tanks and is it your fault? And he's fighting back against it. Then we get down to Mission Control calling up and saying that the uh, CO two levels are too high. And uh, Hayes, the man who's just been arguing with uh, with Swigert about his possible failures, turns out that he made a goof on his own calculations that he didn't figure the uh, uh, CO two rate for three astronauts. He only did it for two because that's what in the in the flight book all the calculations were based on two people in a in a lunar module, not three. So it's a nice. Uh, that's a closure of, of that particular argument that has been going on. You know, I don't know if you noticed this in the movie, and maybe it, it's just me, but after this argument, the, the relationship with Jack changes on the, in the movie. You know, the he, he was always kind of the outsider or the, oh, we're unsure about the guy. And after this argument where, um, I, I don't know if he stood his ground or you know, proved his case, but for the rest of the film... Um, completely different relationship if you watch that. Yeah, I think I think he resolves any issues, especially between him and Fredo. I think that uh, that clears up that they're both you know looking at each other. And um, when uh, uh, you know when they're set when they're setting up things and, and getting ready to go, there's looks there there's there's shots that come up, and we'll go over them in, the, in future minutes where they're looking at each other through the tunnel and and. Fredo's giving him, you know, the thumbs up for doing a great job on on things. So, uh, <laughs> and, and they're both and both uh, uh, Hayes and Lovell are very grateful that uh, Swiger didn't accidentally. Yeah, you know, he he was worried about his own incompetence by having that piece of paper that you know don't jettison the limb before they're they're in. Yeah, well, there's you know there's a shot where they uh, you know and, and I know we're we're you know we're talking ahead, but you know of course uh, they you know I think Jack helps Fredo get his his. Uh, straps uh, set, their seatbelts uh, set in the, for re-entry and things like that. I think he's helping them tie in and stuff. So, yeah, it just feels like this. After this, it was kind of uh, smooth sailing for for Jack, if you will, <laughs> from yeah, a relationship yeah, he, standpoint. <laughs> yeah, it's that earned, earned his wings thing. I mean, he really got in there. Um, the uh, uh, one of the t- technical thing that comes up here is where uh, they're yelling, and then Houston calls up about the CO two problem. And uh, Lovell shouts, are you on Vox? And he's like, no. And for people who don't understand that particular uh, phrase, 
Vox is a voice activation on their microphones so that if you're t if you're talking, if it picks up, it has kind of a squelch level on a radio. And if it picks up uh, a microphone that goes above a certain volume level, it will transmit that back to Earth. Um, and that that was on frequently, especially during um, any kind of maneuvers like mid-course corrections and things. Because if you've got one hand on the throttle and the other on the joystick, you really don't have a thumb to push to talk. And it doesn't have a, you know, it doesn't have a, a key on the uh, on the throttle or on the uh, on the joystick. Uh, so it was used a lot there. If, basically, if you have your hands full, there's no place for. And the, of course, the other setting is push to talk VTT, which, uh, well, Chris, you have you had that as an aircraft. Oh yeah, we, an aviation Vox would be considered a hot mic, is what we call it. Yeah. And uh, you know anything you say without being edited is yeah. <laughs> it's <I'm>, live. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard a lot of uh, safety briefings. <laughs> going oh yeah, on we in had. Uh, yeah, we've had. Um, um, you know, our, our thing was a hot mic. We didn't say Vox because it was called something different. But, yeah. uh, you know, we would, uh, and, and exactly that tone where we would be frustrated maybe with somebody. <laughs> and then we had to talk to that somebody and we would put our air traffic controller voice on. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then we would get done and then, you know. Is that a course? Go, I was. Do they? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's an acquired skill that you get after a while. <laughs> yeah, I just get uh, that radio sound of, of things. Uh, I I listened to a bunch of uh, which we're we're as we're recording this in 2020, we're all under quarantine and things. So there's lots lots of spare time to listen to stuff on YouTube, and I I listen to a lot of uh, ATC uh, issues where they're having you know somebody's out of fuel or their their engines are on fire and things and then there's simple things like they've got a hot mic and they're trying to get everybody to move off the frequency to something else and people <laughs> people are screwed it's very intriguing uh the whole uh the whole world of atc <laughs> when if when you're listening to it especially if you don't have that as a job it's very <laughs> yeah i made it a rule to never listen to myself um you know you had uh, like we had uh, uh live atc play like websites and stuff and um, there were a couple times I was tempted to go and like listen to part of my shift or something, and and I never did because I never wanted to second guess. You know, the only time you actually hear actually listen to yourself generally is if there's a problem. You know, you're you're they'll pull the tapes and you'll replay the tape and see who said what. Yeah. Everything every time you key the mic, it gets recorded. So, um, and that is, imagine uh, going on a court hearing. And you say you're innocent, and someone says you're guilty, and they're going to show you the tape live in front of everybody, and you start second guessing <laughs> yourself. Of, I hope I'm uh. innocent. You know, I think I'm innocent. <laughs> uh, I've only ever had to do it, I think, once. I got uh, uh, we had to pull a tape or something. And, and what's funny is the thing that you learn more isn't that uh, whether you're right or wrong on that. You start f hearing all the other flaws that maybe you have, or the, in your phraseology, or or something like that, it, not even related to the actual event that you're listening for. Yeah, you're you know, saying, you're I, like, oh, I, I, geez, I, I could say that better, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I read that back and it was wrong and he took it anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, 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 it's little things, but you, you can hear it, you know, and then of course you hear it in your own voice, you're just like, Ugh. Oh, yeah, that's, I never listen to, I never listen to my podcast, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know how anybody listens to all the stammering and stuff, and I try, I try not to edit too much on these things, but it's just, dreadful when you know when you have to listen to your own <laughs> word crutches and all kinds of things but uh that's uh, and uh, of course that this perfect perfect example here where he kicks in the uh, the push to talk and is like yes hello houston we're you know and, and going on with that oh yeah um 
I thought it was a little bit too on the nose where, you know, would you check your CO2 and then the light comes on right as he's saying that. And it's like, eh, I don't think they'd call, you know, wait until it's about to turn on and then we'll, we'll send up a message. But it, it, it plays better in the movie theater, I think. so. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I don't know how, I was wondering about that too, how instant, you know, how instant would that, you know, would they know that the light came on? Like, I don't think, I think they would, have up-to-date gauge information yeah. you know um being you know transmitted back but yeah I, I never thought it was that close i always wondered why that was a bit uh uh you know i think a shot yeah. of the gauges may have worked a little bit better but yeah i think that the movie demanded it so there you know yeah there it was, <laughs> there it was. and i'm sure it, it, in looking at and again i can't i can't stress this enough to go to the go to the apollo flight journal at the uh nasa history office's uh, website uh, you can read all these transcripts and a lot of the stuff is real there i mean and a lot of the stuff that you see in the movie is really just direct transcription from the from the film or vice versa um i it, it's it's interesting listening to uh, how frequently nasa will call up and they won't say we're working on something they'll say here's the problem and we have a solution so we're going to read you off the procedure to fix that so you know i mean and and that's one of the things I worked in uh, IT tech support uh, for many years, and one of the things that you tried to do when you found out somebody was having a problem, when you called them up about the problem, you try to have a solution already worked out so that you're not you're not giving them well. Here's some problems, and we'll work on figuring it out. If you can do that, that's you know you try to be proactive on these things. So uh, in this case, they told them what they were working on, and they they explained a little bit more than, you know, well, we're working on it. They, they explained that we're working on a, an adapter to, to, to fit the canisters in between the, the command module and things and telling them which numbers they were going to be using, like what, uh, what canisters to swap out and how often they would be doing it on the new cycle. So they get, they got a lot more information than running in with, a, they did, they did walk in with a bunch of boxes, but they gave them a lot more information over time. However, that wouldn't play as well. And we can, we can talk about that a little bit more tomorrow with that. When we get into the uh, the MacGyvering of the whole thing, um, <laughs> but I I enjoy this minute. It's very you know it, it it's nice seeing. I mean the, the technology is great, but seeing the interpersonal stuff is interesting too. And uh, and like you said, it's it's it really is about the people, the, the yeah. folks that are in here, and thinking that you know these are these are pretty smart guys. They didn't get where they are by being um, you know mercurial. I think is the crossword puzzle word for it. They you know they're they're. Uh, they know there, there's there's problems, and they try to fix the problem rather than trying to assign blame first, which is probably most of our <laughs> most of our reactions. Like, well, whose fault is this? Yeah. So. I do like that. Uh, I guess the one part that I also gleamed away from it is uh, I liked Fredo sticking up for his limb. <laughs> yeah, was, I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's de- definitely his his baby, and you know, especially you know, if you think about all of these all these people with their equipment. Uh, they watched them being built from the time they were, uh, you know, plywood, uh, plywood case braces to hold up the outer walls. And uh, and Fredo watched this, you know, he'd go up, they'd go up to Beth Page every week or two and uh, and actually see the construction of the thing. All the when you look at pictures of the interior of the ships, they're pretty beat up. And the reason that they're beat up is because they spent so much time on Earth in the very uh, equipment that they're that they're flying to the moon. So uh, yeah, I, I would think Fredo would take it personally <laughs> attacking his ship. So, um, but yeah, a, a great minute altogether, and uh, one uh, I, I think 
you know, it's funny. I've I watched this movie again uh, the night before last, and it's funny now in talking about all these minutes when we go through when you go through and watch it, eat, you catch all the little pieces and things, and you find out. I, I thought, well, maybe I'm not gonna like this movie now that I've torn it apart and you know, done, dissected it. But it it really it just gets better the more you watch it. So it's it's always refreshing to know. I really think it's I I stand behind what you say every time we have the intro on the show and that it's it's perhaps the greatest space movie um because it's it's got all the fun stuff of hey we're going to space it's but it's based in reality and yeah there are there technical errors along the way sure you know show me a movie that doesn't have that um but it 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 tells the story and it certainly catches the spirit of the apollo program and out of nasa at that time yeah, you you can tell that the the movie makers, the people involved in all this, they love the topic, they love the subject, and the the people that are in it. I mean, it's like to me, the closest thing I could think of is if you watch um, Jimmy Stewart in Strategic Air Command, he was, you know, he's in the Air Force, and he loves Jimmy Stewart. Loved the Air Force. He loved being a part of it. He loved he loved the equipment. He loved the he loved the camaraderie. He loved the uh, the mission. And when you watch Jimmy Stewart in uh, Strategic Air Command. You feel like you're watching a uh, a two hour uh, Air Force recruitment movie written by Jimmy Stewart because that's just the way you know that that's the way he looked at the Air Force and that, that's the way I feel with this. It's, everybody here has a love of the space program. My favorite part of uh, uh, Strategic Air Command, by the way, is the fact that Harry Morgan plays the old guy, <laughs> and Harry Morgan played the old guy in Dragnet, and he, then he played the old guy in Mash, and yeah. like I think Harry Morgan was born at like fifty five years old, <laughs> just, <laughs> and just played the old guy from from then on. <laughs> yeah, with with headphones and a, and a field cap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, great film. Well, we, someday we'll have to do a strategic air command minute. Yes, I'd be in for that. <laughs> and uh, uh, but anyway, that's that's another movie. Uh, we're going to talk some more about this movie that we're in uh, Apollo thirteen. Uh, tomorrow so come back and, and see us uh, you know all the normal places to go to for finding us on uh, social media and we do love to hear from you so if you want to join us Facebook uh, Apollo 13 Mission Control or on uh, uh, Twitter which is Apollo 13 Minute uh, if you haven't subscribed already please do because we can just get these to you hot and fresh every morning uh, uh, delivered right on your podcatcher you can go to Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify TuneIn we're, all, we're on pretty much all of them so you can, you can find us out there visit us at the big site of course Apollo13minute.com, Apollo13minute.com. You can catch all the previous episodes and read the summaries and stuff like that. Uh, but we will ba- be back here tomorrow. So it uh, looks like we're coming up on Laws of Signal in about 30 seconds. So we'll see you here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute.